Quem nunca ouviu falar de um senhor pernambucano Chamado de Paulo Freire, um latino-americano A Hundred Times Freire Dialogo Centenario Paulo Freire The podcast of the Paulo Freire Center Austria A very warm welcome to the fourth episode of our podcast 100 Times Freire My name is Valentina Duelli and I'm very happy to host today's podcast session on the topic of Freire and the arts and his contribution to art education. In a Freirean understanding of education, in the tradition of critical pedagogy, it's the mission and goal of education to help people learn to recognize mechanisms of power that shape their lives. This reflection is an essential precondition for being able to initiate self-empowering change. In this perspective, education is seen as a mutual learning process and collaborative knowledge production. With our guests today, we will discuss how this view is linked to art education and the visual and performing arts. May I introduce our guests for today, uh, Birgit Fritz. She's one of the co-founders of the Austrian Association for Drama and Theatre Therapy, ÖGDTT, and Gisela Wismara. She's a PhD student at the Academy of Fine Arts in Vienna, currently working on her thesis about Paulo Freire and art education. Gisela and Birgit, thank you both so much for being here with us and engaging in this conversation. Gisela, I would like to start right away with you giving us an insight on your personal and professional connection to Freire. How did Freire impact your life and work? Hello, everyone. Thank you for invitation. Um, my first encounter with Paolo Freire was a long time ago when I started to teach at Academy of Fine Art in Milano, and I adopted uh, the text of Paolo Freire. And uh, yeah, I was really uh, surprised uh, uh, concerning the feedback, the amazing feedback by my student of Academy of Fine Art concerning Freire thesis and Freire's idea. Yeah, this is the, the first, first encounter with Paolo Freire. And uh, I think that uh, the impression of Paolo Freire and the most important idea for my path, for my history of teach, teaching and teacher, are many, many impressions and many influence uh, and consist on, um, for example, uh, praxis and theory. The idea of ethical approach, education has a political act, or the fluidity of thought of Paulo Freire, um, dialectical approach <laughs> and emancipantic Marxism and uh, the work uh, with people in Africa uh, concerning the movement of liberation on Africa or literacy program. So I think that these ideas are really important also in order to read images and in the field of visual art. So that is the start point of my work. And yeah, that influences also my uh, research at Academy of Fine Art in Vienna. Thank you so much, um, Gisela. Um, I would go right um, on to Birgit. Um, what are your, what was Hi, your first encounter um, with Freire? It's a pleasure to be here and to have this dialogue. And uh, listening to Gisela, I can really directly connect to what you said, Gisela, because I also had an experience with a student of mine um, way back in the 80s. So my professional life started out being a teacher at a high school. 
And we had a theater of the oppressed workshop at my school. And I had to play the role of the oppressor. And all my students were fighting me, which was really quite uncomfortable for me. I was a very young teacher then. And at the end of the workshop, uh, Katharina, who was a very smart and provocative student, she came up to me and she said, Birgit, today you were a right asshole. So that, of course, was a disaster for me. I was so shocked I didn't know how to react. But thank God she went on saying that on that day, she had learned more about life than in the seven years at that school. And it was a very good school. So I was fascinated. So this is how I got into this work, into this theater work, which is uh, based on Freire. The name Theater of the Oppressed is a homage to Paulo Freire. So, and these artistic movements, the theater and Freire's popular education centers in Brazil, these happened at the same time. So these two movements, they are totally linked. You cannot think the work of Augusto Boal without thinking of Freire. So of course then Freire's thoughts on students being teachers and teachers being students, that changed my outlook on being a teacher completely. And I understood that there was this structure of depository education, this whole system that I had gone through myself and that unfortunately still today students are go through. And that has, has helped me to make my work more dialogic and more sensitive to power hierarchies, which before I had not had this awareness as a very young teacher in Austria. Later on in, the, in my thirties, we founded the platform theater of the oppressed in Vienna in 2002. So that means that next year we will also have an anniversary, a 20 year anniversary. And in all those years, up until now, we've been working with so many communities and marginalized people in social house, housing projects with asylum seekers, migrant youth, women and girls suffering from violence and oppression, but also with students at the university using TO, theater of the oppressed as we call it TO, as a research tool. So it was this dialogic nature of the work that has led to an attitude also to see that the global north needs to learn from the global south. So I very much like the jingle in the beginning when it said in the song, Freire was a cidadão do mundo inteiro, right? We have to think the world as one. And this is how we can come up with solutions for new problems that maybe 20 years ago we had no idea about. So this is how we got involved in the global theater of the oppressed network, which is really fascinating. And we were learning from practitioners in India, in Brazil, in Colombia, and many other places. So I can say for myself that it has truly changed my world and the view on the world, and it has given us such a wide horizon, much wider than before. So maybe that's what I can say at the beginning. But reading Freire and discussing that the relevance of the pedagogy still today is an essential part of all our work and also of all our trainings of TO methods. So when we work now as drama and theater therapists, we are building on the same foundations and the same ideas and principles. This working approach of action and reflection, meaning that an authentic reflection means to be in relation with the world and to be conscious of our being in the world. So that is therapeutic, right? When you learn to understand your environment and also to think a word, coming back to Freire, to think a word and to say a word is simply different because this is how we make relationships. So yeah, maybe that's for a short introduction. So Freire's principles and values, they are completely essential 
for my work as they used to be essential for my work as a teacher in the work with theater of the oppressed that is an applied theater form and also as a drama therapist well thank you i can go on but we can also stop here <laughs> thank you so much for this wonderful insight so Gisela, in the field of critical art education, um, working with um, visual arts, on how, what level can you connect to the aspects that uh, Birgit just brought up? If it's uh, workshops in schools or working with students at university? Yeah, um, in the past, uh, I'm trying to use Freire's approach uh, in the field of museum studies, but I try also to use during the workshop at middle school, in a public middle school in Bologna, because I was a teacher in a middle school, in a school of periphery with a lot of texts of migrants and with a lot of social problems. But I think that in this moment, I must, uh, I'm most conscious of uh, Freire's approach and my dissertation uh, focus on three manly questions. And Pillar questions are, uh, can Freire's approach be applied to the visual arts in formal context of education? Can the teaching of visual arts become a tool of emancipation and liberation from the different forms of capitalistic oppression? I mean, class, disability, gender, ethnicity, through this approach. And the last one, which are the core tools and educational strategies to adopt. Because we know that Freire said, this is not a method, but an approach to education. So it depends on the context in which we work, the moment in which we have to work with students. My dissertation tried to answer these questions as a like, crucial question. The first level of my research aims to understand at the beginning I tried to understand the concrete links between the visual art and Freire. The first banal, maybe superficial observation was that Freire used images in the literature program. Not only images and pictures, but Freire used visual material. The second point is the presence of artists in the life of Freire. I mean, Freire called it. Uh, artists uh, such as Francisco Brenant, Vincente Diabrau, and the Claudio Con, who worked for the generative uh, images for literacy program. So there is concrete presence of images in the life of Freire. And the last point, I can say that Freire was a great promoter of visual arts and arts, popular arts in his life. For example, in cultural circle, in different situation, during the program and the reform of school uh, in Sao Paulo, when he went back from exile in the 80s, uh, was a secretary of education in Sao Paulo, introduced visual art in the curriculum of public school. And he was teacher in School of, uh, of Fine Art in Pernambuco. And he was president of Escolina de Arte, uh, art of school for teenagers and kids uh, in Recife. So we have many, many links between Freire and art education or visual art education. So that's the first level of my research. Try to understand if it's wrong or not, because sometimes you try to, to use a kit of tools uh, in different contexts. Uh, and I'm a white teacher, 
in a West context uh, in Europe. And so this is a challenge for me to use, like Birgit said, the teaching of Global South introduced the big teaching, the strong teaching from Global South in Western context. So this is the first uh, superficial level I mean, of my, my research. And the last one, the most important also, is try to use Freire approach. I'm encoding, decoding, and problematization in order to read visual images, the visual, visual material, heritage, and the cultural object. In my case, in my specific case, uh, with students uh, at middle school, in the middle school. Uh, and uh, yeah, this is the, the, the panorama and the background of my dissertation. And I think uh, that Freire also helped us before dying, uh, shortly before dying, Freire said, quote, the discussion a priori would let us to aesthetic dimensions of the work, that is, to the question of beauty. But in discussion beauty, we can easily discuss ethical questions because of the relationship between ethics and aesthetics. In discussing ethics and aesthetics, we discuss, discuss politics. For example, you can discuss the right of to beauty, the right the poor people have to be beautiful, to have beauties, to create beauties. Nevertheless, the poor people have been prevented from getting beauty. What does it mean? Why? Then you can discuss politics, organization of society, of the state, and so on. Well, Gisela, thank you. Thank you a lot um, for these beautiful insights into your research. I just had to think um, about that today um, we, are, we are basically flooded with images on the internet, on social media, and um, these images create norms of aesthetics, of beauty. And I also had to think about one uh, critic of Freire, or let's say an addition um, to Freire's work formulated by um, Bell Hooks. And I wanted to ask you if you could maybe also talk about possible obstacles that you had with Freire's work. Of course, Birgit, this question goes also out to you as every relationship has its ups and downs. There Are there also parts where you would disagree or where you see the necessity of further reflection on Freire's ideas? This is the same question that I posed to myself at the beginning, um, especially when I try to analyze the, the process of coding, because the coding is a, a tricky point of informal context of education, I mean, because I think that teacher in concrete way have no time, have no money, have no agenda to organize the process of coding in formal context of education. We have no team uh, before starting the school. We know we don't know the student, for example, no, sometimes at the beginning. So in which way we can organize a team of research? It's impossible. But I think that uh, we can reply with Freire quotation about uh, this tricky point. If the educators lack sufficient funds to carry out the preliminary thematic investigation, they can, with a minimal knowledge of the situation, select some basic teams to serve as codification to be investigated. Accordingly, they can begin with introductory teams and simultaneously initiate a further thematic investigation. 
I think that it's a really important tips for educators that can think, oh my God, what happened here? <laughs> uh, in which way I can solve the problem or overcome the problem of coding? I think that in my job, in class, for example, in our class, you can start to propose a topic. In my case, uh, I'm trying to work uh, on body, like a topic, because when I start to teach, I realized that my students, the, the imagination of my students was full of gender, sexist, sexist racialized images from social network, music, booty rap, and a lot of gender, sex, sexualization of everything. And I, I'm trying with my project of dissertation to deconstruct this imagination and uh, propose this topic uh, like start, like a point at the beginning of my, of my work. And obviously, as educator, we have the, the responsibility to integrate the suggestion of student in our program. So, I mean, my pro proposal is a project that tried to combine free, free line, a decolonial approach, uh, visual cultural studies, and free race approach. And the first point of this uh, project consists in use the visual references, the words, text, and the words of my student to extend my archive, my classical European Western archive of images. In combination with the extension of a classical archive with a Global South works, I mean artists from Global South, words of Global South and text of Global South, in order to decolonize our curriculum, because we need to reorient history of art, uh, reorient the imagination of our students through other archives, not just only European and Western archive, I think. And it, it's really important. We need to decolonize curriculum in this way, in this following Freire's teaching and also other ex-students of Freire, like Tana Mai Barbosa, one of the most important educators in Brazil today was an ex-student of Paulo Freire who used a tri triangular proposal to approach art education. And for example, the suggestion of Ana Mai Barbosa is the use of Manifesto Antropophago by Osvaldi Andrade to connect our words with, with the word of otherness, quote, unquote. And the last point, am I closing my intervention? Sorry. Uh, the comparison, comparison uh, following visual cultural study, the Western archive with an alternative archive of imagination of our student, uh, for example, arts, TV, uh, or, or yacht culture and mass culture. This is um, or images from video clips, music that are more influential of the imagination of our, our children, our students at school. Gisela, I can relate very much what, to what you have been saying about decolonial, decolonialization, right? <laughs> Difficult word to pronounce. Yeah. In our work of grammar therapy, we basically, I mean, we teach people that the world can be changed and that we also undergo permanent change. So this is hope. And I think it was Emma Goldman who called hope like the most revolutionary element in every society. So this is uh, the Freudian approach that we have, that the world is 
changeable, that we change. And nowadays, to be literate in the language of life means to understand causalities. That is what pulls us out from being a simple consumer or spectator, and that makes us creators of our own realities. And this means being an artist, right? So alphabetization in the 21st century is different uh, from last century. In the 21st century, the illiterate are not anymore those who cannot read or write but there are people who cannot learn or unlearn or relearn. So what the theater work based on Freire brings is that we can all change our roles. We can change our mindset, our attitudes. We can give up patterns of thought that are no longer useful maybe. And all these things you can practice with the theater and by being in dialogue with a group because theater is a collective art, right? So we basically use all the art forms. We use language, the words spoken and written. We use music, your painting, film. And in theater, of course, uh, we use the body. It's a way of somatic learning. And the body serves as a tool for alphabetization. So in our bodies, we understand that this is the concrete manifestation of us being in the world. And by being creative, the people can gain awareness, consciousness, about that all people can be artists and can create a reality that is worth living in together. So maybe <laughs> this sounds like a utopia, but yes, it should be possible, right? that is not necessary to be only consumers and to reproduce ideals, like Gisela said, of beauty or success that are given to us by the media, but that everybody can produce art and that art is a way of communication at the same time. So like you said, Valentina, in a world that is so overwhelmed by information, where you don't know anymore where it comes from, the, the person, him or herself, so the human being, all of us, we have to find our own truth inside ourselves. But also, and most important, by being in dialogue. So if we silence people, if we don't listen to them, I think we will never grow and strive as a society. How can we find new solutions for new problems if we still teach the old stuff and don't work together addressing problems that 10 or 20 years ago we didn't even know? So it's the consumer societies that alienate people because otherwise they could not sell so much rubbish to us, right? So connecting to what Gisela said, Boal once called the arts as a human right. Art can be used to analyze personal situations, but also the realities of a community. And everybody can think for themselves. And it's not necessary to be dependent because being caught in a passivity means that you're losing the strength, you're losing your energy. You're, you're like beating, being eaten up in an overpowering endeavor to be good enough. And you never get there, right? Because you have to get a, a, the next degree, you have to, to get another diploma, you have to make another apprenticeship. So art in a Freudian sense is a means to come into communication with others and to integrate yourself in the world in a meaningful way. So in short, maybe that's the focus or the, the, the thing that I want to focus on, that everybody is capable of dialogue. Everybody should be heard and everybody should have a voice. And now being an older teacher, so like 30 years later, I'm teaching that to the younger people, right? That who will again work with people and communities, that you have to trust in the intelligence of the people you work with. That is of utmost importance for me because every person is an expert of her or his own life and nobody can know better. It's all about where knowledge nowadays is located, right? And this dislocation of knowledge gets acknowledged. So in our work as drama therapists, we will focus on working with disadvantaged and marginalized youth, which of course in times of the corona pandemic is very much needed. 
as uses, especially isolated, they're living in a competitive world that is hard to make sense of, right? And using the arts as a way to gain an understanding of our reality, to make sense of our lives, and to change this, this reality in a way that it can make us happy, because this is our human right, to be happy. I think this is also what Auguste Boal and Paolo Freire were teaching us. And it's fun, it liberates you, and it allows you to get your confidence back in yourself, in the community, in life as such. So yeah, this is what I most enjoy about my work with groups and with young people especially, when I can be witness of people becoming like creators and being involved in the world again. I think it's the aesthetic sensibility that helps us to make sense of the world that we live in and to learn as a collective, to learn as a group, to learn as a community. We can see that together we are much, much stronger than alone. And here I'm referring to Freire's principle of division, right? That people should not be divided, but together we can work for a liberation of what Freire, I guess, caused to become a truly human being, right? And as I see it, I think this work will never stop because it's like walking up to the horizon. And that is a never ending story, as we know, right? <laughs> I wanted to add because you asked about criticism on Freire, Valentina. I'm aware that there is some criticism on Freire, especially from uh, like the feminist perspective. I agree, I don't think that Freire was a particular feminist, but I think that he had, uh, even if the language that he used was not the language that we use today, I think he was a systemic thinker. And nowadays we use other terms, right? We talk about cultural appropriation, intersectionality, resilience, identity, location in society, privilege, all those things. But so I think we should, when we read Freire nowadays, we should take, we should look for the essence. We should see where the parallels are to our lives now. And I make sure that in every course I teach to students of social work, we read Freire. And I always pose it as an experiment. I said, look guys, there is this text from the past, like last century. And it's very like this old guy, you know, it was very important to my generation. And I really would like to find out if you can relate to it. So we read the pedagogy of the oppressed and I give them like they can read fragments and we discuss it and uh, they can relate. Surprisingly enough, they can relate to it. And they say, we grew up in a similar education system. These concepts, these values of dialogue, of empowerment, they are important to us. They help us. So yeah, I think Freire is never outdated. And even if we don't agree with him in some parts or aspects, we can uh, make a lot of it. So if we translate it to our own context now, and it completely makes sense and is very essential, I feel. Oh, thank you, Birgit. Um, I really enjoyed your talk right now, your, your insights and the emotion in it also. Really, it was really touching seeing art and happiness um, as a human right and everybody as the expert of their own experience and experiences is something so important to work against this um, division in, in groups and society um, as a general and also to look back to the essence of Freire and to see it as something that is never outdated but can always be transformed even more and adapted um, to our times and to different kinds of struggles. So as a last uh, question, I would like to ask you 
I would like to invite you to end with a wish in regard of the centenary, maybe connected to struggles of our time, uh, global struggles that we are facing right now. <laughs> Thank you. My wish or my desire is consisting that educator, yeah, we try to take the responsibility art educator also to change, to challenge the curriculum of our context of education by following the crucial teaching, uh, teaching of educators like Freire. I think with uh, Carol Alberto Torres that Freire is one of the most important intellectual of Global South in relation to post-colonial, decolonial thought. And as Freire states, it's important to fight against the colonial traditions we bring us with us. It's imperative that we fight to defend the relevance of our task, a relevance that must gradually, but as quickly as possible, become incorporated with society's most general and obvious status of knowledge. So this is my wish for the future and as educator, art educator. Thank you. My wish is that all that remains from Paulo Freire one day is the love that he had for other people. And that when I asked my students of social work whether they can relate to the pedagogy of the oppressed, they will say, no, not at all. Our, our education is dialogic and teachers and students are on eye level and they're learning from one another. We don't know any culture of silence, but we can ask all the questions and we can discuss all the issues freely and all voices are being heard. That's my wish. Wow, thank you both so much um, for this very inspiring talk, for this very inspiring exchange of ideas. And I really, really hope we can spread those ideas to, yeah, to so many different people and to the world. So thank you. Thank you a lot for being here with us today.